Hello, fight fans, and welcome back to episode number 188B, the preview show. TNC, the neutral corner. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. Let's go ahead and get the party started, guys. Today, we're going to talk about Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy Promotions making up. Remember, just a few days ago, it seemed that they were destined for divorce, and now they've I guess got married or re renewed, they renewed their vows. How about that? They renewed their vows. Uh, the Canelo Kovalev LA press conference kicking everything off for that fight. And we do have a few fights to review this week or preview. I'm sorry. Uh, Quillen, Peter Quillen taking on Alfredo Angulo in a fight that seems like we're time traveling. So we'll talk about that. That's on Fox Sports 1 and a big showbox card from Texas on Friday night. Uh, so I saw that Gail Falkenthal is on the chat. Gail, respect box. Gail, uh, let's talk about, um, she goes, smash that like button, Southern California style. Hell yeah. Coming to you guys from Los Angeles on location. We're getting set up for the big fight next week, the, the big welterweight fight. But let's talk about light heavyweights real quick. So yesterday they had the big press conference for Canelo Alvarez, Sergey Kovalev. I tried to make it, but the flight was a little delayed and I just couldn't get to the event. It started at five o'clock Pacific time, but at three o'clock is when media had to check in and I was still dealing with traffic, getting from LAX to downtown, everything else, dealing with real traffic. Uh, so it, I just couldn't make it. But Gail was there. Gail, our good friend, was there and she was able to ask uh, Sergey Kovalev a few questions specifically and then Canelo Alvarez and of course, Oscar De La Hoya some questions. And she posted all this stuff on her channel. So make sure you guys go check out. She posted a few videos. But one of the things Gail told me, uh, she was like, what questions do you want me to ask Sergey?" And I, I wanted to know about his training, how long of a break he took, when he started camp, and when he was going to start sparring. So here's what we do know from Gail, because she talked directly to Sergey Kovalev yesterday. This was before the thing was opened up to the public and, and all the... the the huge, huge media presence there got to everybody. This was kind of a private thing. She was able to talk to him directly. So I guess after his fight with Anthony Yard, Sergey Kovalev took three weeks off, he said. Three weeks off. So remember, that fight with Yard was in late August. Three weeks off basically takes us to now. He just got into California. He's starting training camp Monday. So think about this, guys. I'm no math whiz. But he starts training next week. He'll train here in California, obviously. That's a five-week camp, September 23rd through October 28th. That's just over a month. I mean, how many days is that? 30, about 35 days, I'm guessing, something like that off the top of my head. And then it's fight week, October 28th. Boom, it's fight week for the fight November 2nd, obviously, right? Is a five-week camp enough? I don't know, man. I mean, he just had a, a big camp, a regular, I think, eight-week camp or whatever it was for Anthony Yard. He only took three weeks off, but you guys know as well as I do, three weeks off, if you're not working out every day, dude, it takes three weeks just to get back in shape. That's how it is for me. If I, take, if I took three weeks off of the gym, I'd be sluggish as hell for at least a week or two when I got back in the gym. I, would, I wouldn't be ready to spar after sitting on my ass for three weeks, let alone what my wife and my kid, like Sergey, just was over in Russia. 
So I don't know if five weeks is enough. You basically look at it this way. It's going to be two weeks of him, him and Buddy McGirt, working out, get the rust off, um, get the cardio up, right? Boxing drills, whatever. And then maybe three weeks of sparring, and then it's fight week. Is that enough? I don't know. In one respect, Gail was saying that she talked to, um, by the way, Gail says, all videos are posted on the channel. Canelo Kovalev and Oscar with Ryan Garcia. Search Gail Falkenthal. For those listening on iTunes and Spreaker and everywhere else, Gail is G-A-Y-L-E. Falkenthal, F-A-L-K-E-N-T-H-A-L. Look her up on YouTube and you can see those interviews again. Some of you guys are probably seeing all kinds of stuff on social where it was just a giant clusterfuck of a million people there trying to get asked questions to Sergey and, and, and Canelo when it was just a madhouse. These are interviews with Gail up close and personal, quiet, before the event was opened up to the public. So I highly recommend checking them out. And you get some inside information there. Gail says, Michael... When you get to be that senior of a fighter, the rest does you good. None of us train like those guys do. He looked great. He seemed fresh. All right, cool. Gail says about a dozen of us got exclusive access. Yeah, and I wish I could have been the 13th, but I just couldn't make it, Gail. But I'm glad that you're checking in with us, and I appreciate your input. You're right about Sergey. From what I saw, he looked pretty fresh. He didn't look like he had been boozing and eating the whole time. Uh, he looked pretty in shape. How big do you think he was, Gail? If you could tell me, um, I don't know if anyone asked that, but like as far as weight goes, and Sergey's not a big, light heavyweight anyway, but he looked almost on weight to me. It looked like maybe he picked up 10 pounds. He's maybe a, in the mid-180s right now, maybe 190, but he looked pretty damn good. Wow, Gail says lean, low 180s at most. Okay, so he's basically there. So I think it's pretty safe to say, based on everything that we know and everything Gail's told me about what she saw there, that Sergey, yeah, he took three weeks off over in Russia, but I don't think he was drinking. I don't think he was eating too much. Yeah, she says, Gail, um, weight has never been an issue for Sergey. Totally agree. He's always been on weight. In fact, when he was fighting for free, Igus Klimas used to just call him and say, hey, I got a fight for you. It's at this weight. Can you be there next week? And Sergey would say, yeah, is he right-handed or left-handed? That was it. That's the only question he ever asked Igus Klimas. Just a guy who's come up the hard way, man. All right, so he's taking this shit pretty seriously, right? He's, uh, it seems to be in really good shape and really good spirits. Now, I still don't know about a five-week camp. I don't know. Sergey did tell Gail straight, straight to her mouth, or straight to her from his mouth. She, he said, long breaks kill me. Was that the wording he used, Gail? Long breaks kill me, long layoffs kill me? Yeah, right here, Gail says, big breaks from boxing are bad for me. He admitted he gets bored, drinks, and gets in trouble. He said he wants to fight every three months. Straight to Douglas Iglesias. I see your comment there, Douglas Iglesias. That was, uh, you know what I was trying to say, all right? Don't turn this into something that's not. All right, so yeah, so Sergey admits Long breaks are bad for him. The three-week break was good for him. It looks like he's almost on weight. So I think we're going to get a good version of Sergey Kovalev in there. How sharp he will be, I don't know, man, because two-week minicamp and then three weeks of sparring and it's fight week, I just don't know. But he does look pretty damn good. Canelo looks good, as obviously. Uh, I should mention this. 
Vada has announced that they are doing Vada testing for this fight. You have to think they've signed the contract. That means they've already started testing. So you're testing six weeks out from the fight. I have mentioned before, Canelo Alvarez stopped testing in the middle of the summer. So for about two or three months, we don't know what he was doing down in Mexico. Sergey Kovalev, I don't believe he's been doing... Actually, I think him and Anthony Yard did do Vada testing for their fight. So Sergey's been testing throughout. So we know he's clean and he's never had an issue before. He's tested for several fights. He's never had an issue. So we're going to get a clean fight. There's just a couple of months there, two, three months. We don't know what Canelo may or may not have been doing. We'll just leave it at that. But there is Vada testing for this fight. That is a good, um, a good look. It's a good look. Also, a lot of people were talking about the stare down. I'm sure you guys have seen the videos. When Sergey Kovalev and Canelo Alvarez were doing their first stare down with each other at this press conference. A lot was made about the height. Clearly, Sergey Kovalev is like, it looks like he's six inches taller. They're, they're not listed that tall. Uh, Sergey's listed at six feet tall. He's right there at six feet. And I think Alvarez is listed at 5'8". I think it's really more like 5'7". I think they add an inch to him, which they do with a lot of fighters that are under six feet tall. But... Um, Huge height difference, noticeable. And people were making this out to be a big deal on social media. It is a big deal. Size matters. But to put things into context, guys, just it, this, this matters too. Daniel Jacobs is the same height. I think he's like half an inch shorter than Sergey, but he has half an inch larger reach than Sergey Kovalev. Daniel Jacobs. Even though he's fought at middleweight, now he's a super middleweight. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., taller and longer than Sergey. A little bit taller, a little bit longer than him. Rocky Fielding, a little bit taller and longer than Sergey Kovalev. So, Canelo Alvarez, I don't know if he's had his eye on Sergey Kovalev for a while and this was a plan or something. I, I don't think so because Sergey had a couple of bad losses. But he's fought guys that were every bit as tall and long as Sergey Kovalev. Now, they weren't as thick, they weren't as fully grown. But again, Sergey Kovalev, not a big light heavyweight. Look at his fight against Anthony Yard, who is a huge light heavyweight. You see the size difference. So big difference in height and length. Not necessarily, though, a mountain that Canelo hasn't climbed yet in terms of getting inside of that kind of length, getting inside and under that kind of height. He's done that a few times now. Against lesser fighters than Sergey, sure. Not as naturally strong or powerful as him, Although, who knows what Daniel Jacobs will look like at 168. You know, I don't know, but he's never been a one-hitter quitter. But neither has Sergey Kovalev. I actually think Sergey's power is overrated. He's heavy-handed. He's not a one-hitter quitter. Never has been. Anyway, so a lot of people were talking about that height difference. I think, don't get lost in all that shit. Keep perspective about what this really is. All right? Again, uh, Canelo has fought guys with that kind of height and length before. You talk about Daniel Jacobs much, much faster than Sergey, right? If he was able to get inside, in, in, you know, inside of Jacob's length and underneath that height, I think he's going to have success doing that against Kovalev. What remains to be seen, and we'll find out November 2nd, is if Sergey can actually hurt Canelo. That's the X factor here. Now, do I think Sergey can one hit or quitter Canelo? No, he's not that kind of guy. But can he wear Canelo down with a hard jab and actually physically move him and hurt him the way Spence was able to do to Mikey Garcia? 
If he can do that, he has a chance. But again, if this thing goes to the cards, which I think it will, can Sergey Kovalev get a decision in Las Vegas? I don't know about that shit. I don't know about that shit. By the way, Gail just said, hey, 64 of you are watching and only 25 likes. What the fuck? Hit the like button like you mean it. Gail's right. Gail's pretty much always right. Guys, hit the damn like button. <laughs> Let's talk real quick about Ryan Garcia. Okay. After all the drama, all the drama, for weeks now, it feels like months, finally, we get an announcement that Ryan Garcia has inked a contract extension with Golden Boy Promotions. And his first fight under this new contract extension is against Romero Duno, the very guy he could have maybe fought this last weekend and chose not to. He's going to fight him anyway, November 2nd, on, guess what, the Canelo Kovalev card. The co-main you're a prospect. And as far as I understand it, because the rest of the undercard has not been discussed, as far as I understand it, he is going to be a prospect, Ryan Garcia, a prospect, the co-main to one of the biggest events of the year. The, definitely the biggest event of the year for Golden Boy Promotions. So how often do you see a prospect in the co-main of what in yesteryear would have been a pay-per-view fight. Make no mistake, guys, three years ago, Canelo Kovalev is a pay-per-view fight on HBO, right? Or, you know, yeah, because they're HBO guys. Uh, I know Canelo was briefly on Showtime, but anyway, uh, this would be a pay-per-view event and Ryan Garcia would be the co-main. He's gonna fight Romero Duno, two prospects in the co-main. So Golden Boy has dumped all their money and resources and everything they can here into a long contract extension where they are significantly, I think right now, overpaying Ryan Garcia. Now down the road, do they eat off that and does it balance out? Probably, probably. It depends on how they build Ryan Garcia up. But again, a name that I'm not hearing about, and we should be, is Virgil Ortiz Jr. I think he's better than Ryan Garcia. <clears throat> I think five years from now, he's going to have a better career. Ten years from now, a better career. Where is he? Um, he should be fighting on November 2nd. Why isn't he fighting on that card as well? Now, maybe he will be. We'll find out. But uh, I mean, they can't forget about that kid. He's not as loud as Ryan Garcia. I get that. But, dude, there's a future there with Virgil Ortiz. They can't just forget about him. Uh, as far as the particulars with the, the contract and everything, guys, that's not going to be released. Uh, Tommy Boseo says Virgil Ortiz should ask for a big contract. Yeah, I mean, look. The, the difference, and this, this is what's so crazy about this era of, of boxing. Social media is a factor. It really is. And Ryan Garcia was basically able to leverage this contract because of his social media presence. That was, he kept coming to the table with that. I know that much. I've been told that much by people close to the situation. That him and his team, basically last Saturday when they had a chance to fight on that, that card, right, that uh, Jaime Munguia card against Patrick Galati, they said no when, when uh, his opponent was arrested and they could have fought Romero Duno. And basically, they were playing hardball. Now, they couldn't really say it in media. They couldn't, Ryan Garcia couldn't say it, but they were negotiating behind the scenes. Dude, we'll fight him, but we're going to fight him for this much money. And Golden Boy Promotions couldn't pay that out on that card. But guess what? November 2nd, there's a big budget there. Yeah, we can pay you that amount on November 2nd. We'll make you the co-main and we'll give you this long-term extension. How about that? 
suddenly everything's okay. So uh, there was a lot of negotiating behind the scenes here, and some of it was leaked on Twitter. And I think that Ryan Garcia, some of his bitching and moaning was a way for him to kind of leverage and negotiate. What I find interesting is to me the real disconnect seems to be with Eric Gomez, because he was the one that kind of started the bitching when Ryan Garcia turned down two opponents. Remember, it was, uh, it was Duno, but it was also Peter Petrov on that card. It was Eric Gomez, the president there at uh, Golden Boy Promotions, who tweeted a couple of things. They kind of dissed Ryan Garcia. And then Oscar De La Hoya got involved, and he mentioned that Virgil Ortiz is his best prospect. I think that was a sneaky, sly way for Oscar De La Hoya to leverage back and push back on Ryan Garcia, and maybe that brought him back to the drawing table. So what you were seeing was negotiations taking place partially on Twitter through social and then behind the scenes in the boardroom. That's the way these things happen in the 21st century, man. It's crazy. Gail Falkenthal says, miscommunication seems to be the main problem at Golden Boy. I completely agree. That and public relations. This shit just looks catty publicly. It just looks stupid. Negotiate this stuff behind the scenes. Come out with a press release. Do it the old school way to where it looks like you guys are all unified. Don't play out this constant drama. I saw a couple people, though, mention on, on Twitter and stuff, man, what if this was all just an expert troll? Of course, they didn't plan on their opponent getting arrested and everything. But the, the, the back and forth, the soap opera on Twitter, what if all this was just a way to get people talking and get Ryan's name out there even more, Golden Boy's name out there even more? That might be part of it. That maybe they were playing some of this shit up publicly to get his name trending more. Because guess what? It worked. People were talking, including me. So, um, you know, maybe all this... Now, do I think this was some evil genius design? No. Yeah, Gail says, I'm not sure the folks at Golden Boy are that calculated. Yeah, I don't think this was like some genius evil plot. But I do think there may have been some playing it up on both sides to kind of get their point across. Because every time Ryan Garcia would tweet, his fangirls, fan maybe there's a few fanboys, would uh, respond. And the folks at Golden Boy would see those responses. And then they'd make their little tweet, and then you'd see the response to that. Ryan Garcia's side would see their reaction. It'd just go back and forth. One last thing to mention here, news and notes. Uh, World Boxing Super Series. There will be a season three. Yes, there will be a season three. The promoters involved say that they have ironed out some of the issues with, uh, with the finances. There was a, a company that they were relying on that kind of, I think there was one company that went bankrupt and they've sorted all that out. There will be a World Boxing Super Series season three next year. They want to do the first round early, like February, like early February. So that would make the semifinals May, June, something like that. And then they, they're scheduling the finals for December. They want it all in one calendar year. That's how they want to do it going forward. They want to schedule it out to where it's all in one calendar year. No delays, no bullshit. If there's an injury, you know what? Too bad. Someone, in, someone else is coming in for you. We're not delaying anything. Boom, boom, boom. This is it. They are looking at four different divisions. One is super flyweight which makes a hell of a lot of sense. Why not go with Superfly? Because there's still a lot of great fights. Yes, Inoue has moved up. He's abandoned weight now, of course. 
but he's going to win probably the finale for the, for the Bantamweight final coming up. He's out of that division, but there's still a lot of great talent at Superfly. Uh, let's see, we've got uh, Khalid Yufai is about to fight Juan Francisco Estrada. The winner of that is going to be in. Maybe even the loser of that will be in the tournament. So I definitely think they're going with Superflyweight. Also, they're considering middleweight. Now, that could be interesting. Do I expect Gennady Golovkin or Canelo Alvarez to go in the tournament? No. But what if? Huge what if. But just stay with me for a second. What if? Demetrius Andrade stepped up and went in that tournament. What if Charlo went into that tournament? I can't remember. I think it's Jamal. What if he went in? That could help them. That could help propel them if they were to win that middleweight tournament into a big fight with the likes of Canelo or Golovkin or whoever it is at the end should they win the tournament. So middleweight's interesting to me. What if Jarrett Hurd who just entered, he's announced he's moving up. Jaime Munguia has announced he wants to move up, okay? What if those guys join that tournament? I think it could be a big, big thing if they got a couple of the top middleweights. It is one of the most interesting divisions in the sport right now. And it's not just top-heavy. There's good contenders. Even a guy like David Lemieux, he goes in. That could be interesting. There's possibilities there. So I think they're going to roll with middleweight. Also, they're considering heavyweight. Heavyweight. Now, again, are you going to get Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury to go into the tournament? No, that's not going to happen. But they're considering the winner between Chisora and Parker, which, hell, I'd like to see both of those guys in it. Dillian White, depending on his suspension and what happens with him, they're considering him. Daniel Dubois is being considered. A young guy like him, that could be really interesting. Joe Joyce or something like that. Um, why wouldn't some of those guys go in? That could be a lot of fun. <clears throat> so, I, man, I think it's very possible that they go, Pietro, he just uh, mentioned Oscar Rivas. Hell yeah, I'd love to see Oscar Rivas in that tournament. It makes a lot of sense, man, and you can make for fun fights. So, those are three of the divisions, and then they're considering a woman's division. Dollar-wise, dollar I get it, why you'd add women I think over in Europe and in Asia, if you could get some Asian fighters or Latin America as well, um, the, the female fights do better. So, and, and they're very, very affordable, very cheap. So maybe they add a women's division. That could add another wrinkle to the tournament. So they're considering all four of those. I think four divisions is too many. I, I just think it's too many. But three, go with three of those, man, that could be a lot of fun. Michael Hunter. Kovnachi, he's being uh, discussed. Yeah, guys, I mean, all these names, man, that, sign me up for some of that shit. So definitely going to be a World Boxing Super Series Season 3, and I definitely think we're going to see the heavyweight division involved. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, man. Let's do a quick preview, and then we're just going to do some Q&A, man, some rapid-fire Q&A from right here in the City of Angels. Uh, we got some action tonight. Or it's hell, it's probably already happened. I forget that I'm on the West Coast. Um, Florence, Italy, a fight card on the zone. So this is probably going on right now or already has gone on. You guys will have to watch this at replay. Orlando Fiordilio versus Sam Eggington, 10 rounds, junior middleweights. That's a pretty name, man. Fiordilio. Uh, then tomorrow, September 20th, showbox card from Midland, Texas. Featuring a few other guys from Thompson Boxing. They're really, really moving up in the world. Michael Dutchover 
13-0 lightweight. Ruben Villa, he's in the toughest test of the night. 16-0 flyweight, or I'm sorry, featherweight. And Brandon Lee, 16-0 welterweight. So that is going to be, in my opinion, the card of the weekend to watch. That's going to be a fun card from Midland, Texas. Michael Dutchover is from Texas. Lives and fights, trains and everything now out of Southern California. But he's going back home. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere there. And uh, seeing those three young guys move their way up in the world, and I've seen them up close at some of those Thompson boxing cards, um, that's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you check that out. That's tomorrow night. And then there's a card from Las Vegas that uh, Mayweather Promotions is going to stream on their Facebook page with some of their prospects and young guys. Nobody there that really jumps out to me that i got to see, but it's on their Facebook page. It's free, so check it out on Facebook. Saturday, September 21st, uh, another Facebook card from Mexicali, Mexico. Golden Boy Promotions on Facebook Watch. Joseph Jojo Diaz Jr. going up against Jesus Cuadro. A uh, fighter originally from Venezuela now fights out of Mexico, who's 18 and 5. Uh, Cuadro has fought all over the world. All over, I've seen him, he's fought in so many different countries, been used as an opponent, and he's being used as an opponent here. This is good rounds for Diaz, 12 rounds, 130 pounds. Obviously, I like Diaz big in that. And then Bakersfield, California, PBC on Fox Sports 1. This card is loaded with prospects, a bunch of young prospects, including two of the Russell brothers. The Russells, man, uh, boxing is their family business. There's like 800 of them. I don't know how many kids their parents had, but they all box, all of them. And several of them are named Gary. <laughs> They're kind of doing the George Foreman thing, where he named all of his kids George, well, his sons, George. Anyway, main event, I do believe, yeah, this is the main event, man. Peter Quillen fighting Alfredo Angulo, who is three in five of his last, in his last eight. So he has lost five of his last eight going back several years. And this is at super middleweight. Peter Quillen was a big middleweight. He fits in pretty well at super middleweight. Alfredo Angulo, not a very big middleweight. So, I mean, the size difference here is going to be noticeable. Similar in age. I think both of these guys are like 31, early 30s, but not in wear and tear. I mean, Angulo's taken way more punishment. Quillen was stopped once against Daniel Jacobs. Guys, that was in a round. That was in one round. Angulo's been in these wars. And he's just taken a lot of punishment. you got to favor Quillen here. Angulo's tough as hell. He's going to bring the fight to Quillen, but he's going to be punching up at him. Quillen is more skilled. A lot more gas in the tank, a lot more tread on the tires, if you will. And uh, you got to favor him. Also on this card, Thomas Dolorme versus Terrell Williams. Uh, Dolorme, of course, out of Puerto Rico. Veteran has been in there with some good fighters. Terrell Williams, if you guys haven't heard of him, 18-0 out of Los Angeles. This is a 10-rounder uh, welterweight fight. Big step up in opposition for Williams. So... Weekend is pretty, pretty quiet. Not a whole lot going on. Next week is going to be great. Uh, big, big fight here in Los Angeles. And um, man, I'm excited. So I'll be here for all the fight week events for Spence Porter. And I'll try to get you guys video if I can uh, get away and I can get video at the workouts. If I can get any interviews, anything like that, I'll do that. I'll post it here on the channel. And then, of course, be there at the fight, and uh, I'll try to do a ringside recap and everything. The technology seems to be working. Everything seems to be working right now. I wanted to do this 
episode of TNC from, I got a huge patio, huge patio at this place. It's, it's almost as big as my first apartment, the patio, but the internet out there sucks. I did a couple of tests and it was just really, really patchy. So we'll do it from right here inside in the air conditioning where you guys can see a little bit of the city behind me. All right, let's get to some Q&A, guys. Get these questions in, man. And um, we'll do some Q&A and then, um, yeah, that's it, man. There's not a whole lot to preview this weekend. It's kind of dry. Tommy Boseo asks, thoughts on Jacobs versus Chavez Jr.? Uh, I don't know if that's official yet, Tommy, but I know they're talking about it. You know what? I like the fight. If Chavez makes weight, do I think that he's going to be a serious challenge for Jacobs? No, he's probably naturally bigger. <laughs> Gail says, no! For Jacobs' first fight at 168, what the hell, man? Let, let's see it. Let, what the hell? I don't mind it. A lot of people are shitting on that fight. I don't mind it. DS Kennels asks, BJS, Billy Joe Saunders, versus uh, Gabriel Rosado, is that official? I don't know if that's official yet either. I know they're talking about that one. I know Rosado wants it. Billy Joe Saunders has a fight coming up on the KSI, Paul Logan, undercard or whatever. Should it be successful there? Maybe that happens. Um, look, I just think Saunders is going to slice and dice Rosado. Rosado's skin has been cut so many times now. If you spit on him, it causes a cut. And Saunders is a lot taller, longer, faster, more athletic. He's not a very powerful guy. He's basically a, a middleweight slash super middleweight version of Tyson Fury. But I think he could cut up a guy like Rosado, and that's how that fight would look. Wouldn't mind seeing it. But I still want to see Billy Joe Saunders against a top 10 guy in a, any division. I want to see him against a top guy. And Gabriel Rosado is not a top guy anymore. Tough as hell. Love watching him fight because he's so tough. Just not on that level anymore. I'm already losing my voice, man. <clears throat> okay, a great question from Vlad Mashev. He asked, rehydration clause for Kovalev. So, we have not gotten any confirmation. Kathy Duba has been asked this question at main events, and she will not confirm nor deny. Guys, here's the deal. Any fighter that fights Canelo Alvarez now enters into a deal with him. There are certain terms of the contract that are not going to be made public, period. After the fallout of the clenbuterol scandal and all the drama they had with Gennady Golovkin and those two really difficult promotions, or negotiations, I should say, um, they're just, there's certain things they're not going to say. So honestly, I don't know. I honestly do not know if there is a rehydration clause. I know the fight will be contested at 175 pounds, no catch weight. But there could very well be a rehydration clause. We won't know until the night of the fight. If Sergey Kovalev weighs 185 or something the night of the fight, um, or, or less, we'll know something's up. However, it should be said, you know, Sergey really didn't swell up after the weigh-in for his fight against Anthony Yard. I think at this stage of his career, and again, he's not a big light heavyweight, I don't think he's going to gain much weight anyway. So maybe there isn't one, but I haven't heard either way. Brad Williams with the super chat. Thank you very, very much, Brad. He asks, is Teofi, if, if Teofimo Lomez backs out against Richard Comey, does Comey get Loma in December? I would think so, Brad. I would think so, yeah. The plan is for Grandpa Bob in Golden Boy Promotions is they want Vasily to fight for that last title. And what is the, I think it's the IBF. I think that's the one that Comey has. 
and they want that right around the Super Bowl so that he can accomplish what Terrence Crawford did at 140. And, you know, you see ESPN. They're going big with this undisputed stuff, lineal stuff. They talk about Terrence Crawford, former undisputed because he had all the titles at 140. They talk about Tyson Fury, lineal champion, right? They want to be able to say that about Vasily Lomachenko. For whatever reason, they have made the decision that that is a big part of their marketing and what they're going to push. And what I find interesting, I saw a thing, a little blurb from PBC this week. They had an interview with Otto Valin, and it was titled, they sent out like a press release to all of us. It was titled, uh, a paraphrasing, something to the effect of, new heavyweight top contender, Otto Valin, talks about his fight with Tyson Fury. Otto Valin, to my knowledge, is not a PBC, I guess he's a PBC guy, I, I don't know. I know Tyson Fury isn't, but... The way they talked about Otto Valin and building him up, they are in bed with top rank building up Tyson Fury, just as ESPN is in bed with PBC building up Deontay Wilder. These two have made an agreement to work together to promote and build up that rematch between Wilder and Fury to the point where PBC is putting out press releases promoting Otto Valin as a top heavyweight contender, which he is not. So I do find that interesting, the verbiage in the wording both of those entities are using because it's mutually beneficial for the business they're going to do next year in that rematch. Now, they're playing nice right for that negotiation. Are they going to do that across the board? I don't think so. They still don't talk to each other when it comes to the WBO. There's no mention of Terrence Crawford. So PBC putting out a video about Otto Valin being a top heavyweight contender, yet they don't even mention Terrence Crawford when they talk about top welterweights on their promotions. And believe me, guys, I'm going to be at this welterweight fight coming up next week, Spence Porter. I'm going to be at the post-fight press conference. I'm going to be at all the press events that week. I'm going to be the guy asking the questions about Terrence Crawford. Believe that. I'm going to be asking about Bud because they don't like to talk about them. So I'm going to see what I can find out about that shit. Tommy Boseo asks, Logan Paul was invited to Canelo's training camp for training. Thoughts, Montero. If he really, really was, that's hilarious. Look, Paul Logan or Logan, whatever. That's two like first names. It's so weird. Uh, if he wanted to go down and train with Canelo, what harm could that do him? I think that'd do more harm to Canelo personally. But if he wants to go down there to San Diego and train with those guys... That's good for him. It helps him beat KSI. The Kism asks, is DAZN's money dried up? No. They got more money than all of us combined watching and listening to this show over the next week, which is going to be thousands of people, will ever know in our entire lifetime combined. They're good with money. Trust me. Survive asks, is Canelo not drug testing anymore? Survive, I talked about this earlier. There's a two or three month period where Canelo was not doing testing. He just signed up to do VADA testing with Kovalev. So uh, he stopped somewhere in the summer because his one year contract with VADA ran out. There's a few months there where he wasn't. He's about to start again. You can say that that's not the best look and you can be suspicious of what was going on during those two or three months. I wouldn't blame you for being suspicious. However, suspicion does not equal proof. 
Mr. Got It asks, what's next for Danny Garcia? I don't know. Maybe at some point he'll cut off that six toe. For those of you who don't know, uh, Danny Garcia has one foot with six toes. Maybe that's part of why his feet move so slow in the ring. I don't know. <laughs> Gail Falkenthal says, it's absolutely true that Canelo... Oh, it's absolutely true that Canelo invited Logan Paul to come to his gym. Hey, man, look, again, if, if, if Logan Paul wants to go down there, that's, that's going to help him. And if Canelo invited him, why the hell wouldn't you go? Go down there, dude. He speaks English, and with the cameras off, he'll talk English with you. There won't be a language barrier. If the cameras turn out, they'll be like, oh, no, I'm doing this. But if the cameras are off, he'll talk with you. There's going to be no language barrier there. Go down there and train with him, man. It can't hurt. Dwayne M. asked, yo, Mike, are you as disgusted as I am with this Logan Paul KSI crap? You know, Dwayne, I talked about that in last week's show a little bit. It, it, I, I, don't, I don't hate the fight. I don't love the fight. I'm just kind of apathetic to it. I think it's really naive when people say it's going to bring new fans to the sport. It's not. Teeny boppers that watch these guys on YouTube will watch this event and then go away. If one of them comes back and fights again in some freak show like this again, they'll come back and watch again. So it's very possible that we see these guys come back and fight once a year or something like that. Like, it really could happen. But is it going to bring... Are the people that, that watch this fight going to subscribe to The Zone to watch, I don't know, uh, Canelo Golovkin 3 next May? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that they'll come back and watch when Logan Paul or KSI fight again or something like that. It's just going to make money. That's it. Yeah, Survive says it's going to bring money. Yeah, that's it. It's just, it's just a money thing. And this kind of thing has happened in boxing for over a century. There's been these kind of freak show events all the time. And there's been how many former champions went over and did wrestling, which we know is fake. It's not even a sport. Sorry, wrestling fans. But, you know, I mean, that's part of the fun of it, right, is it's kind of scripted. Uh, those guys are athletes, I'll say that, but it's scripted. Ali did that kind of stuff. He went and fought some MMA guy. I can't even think of the dude's name. Uh, we've seen all kinds of this stuff for well over a century. It's, it's part of the lore of the sport. You could actually write a really interesting book on all the boxing freak show events that have taken place over 100 years. I don't think anyone's done that. And it'd be a pretty good book because there's great stories there. So 20 years from now, we're going to be talking about KSI and Paul Logan fighting each other? No. Probably ain't even talking about it five years from now. But right now, it's going to make money. It's not going to ruin the sport. It's not going to bring any fans to the sport. It's going to be a one-off. The circus is coming to town, and then it's going to leave town. That's it. 003937 says, Mikey Garcia versus Manny Pacquiao. If that fight doesn't happen, who does Garcia fight next? I don't know who Mikey Garcia fights next. Mikey Garcia, I, you know, look, Robert Garcia hates me, hates me because of some of the, I didn't realize he was that mad at me, but I found out recently that dude does not like me because of some of the things I've said about Mikey Garcia. It's not me trying to bash, bash Mikey. I don't dislike Mikey. I think he's a very good fighter, top 15 pound for pound fighter on, in the world. I just think he's more important than he thinks. He thinks he's more important than he really is. Um, and he's going to command so much money that I, who's he going to fight? Because now he thinks he's a pay-per-view fighter because he did one pay-per-view. He did well. He was the one who really brought uh, a lot of the eyes and sold a lot of those uh, tickets at that fight and a lot of the pay-per-views. 
against Errol Spence. More, he was the A-side. It was not Errol Spence. But that kind of money, he got big money for that fight, mostly because he moved up two weight classes and carried the promotion. Is he going to do that against some of these other guys? I don't know. They were talking about him and Danny Garcia, and they felt out people on social media, right? They were trying to feel everyone out. And they saw the reaction like, whoa, we can't do this. We can't do this because the reaction on social media was, was really bad. And they wanted to do that pay-per-view. So I don't know, man. Does he deserve a fight with Manny Pacquiao? Manny Pacquiao just beat Keith Thurman, a guy who many rated as one of the top two or three welterweights in the world, just beat him pretty decisively. So Mikey Garcia is coming off a huge loss shutout loss, where he was completely outclassed. Does he walk into a Manny Pacquiao fight after that? I don't think so. I don't know what's next for him. If I'm Mikey Garcia, and I'm really serious, he wants to fight at 140, pick a, top, a lower top 10 140 fighter, regular TV, do Showtime so you can get more money, and which would be next year, which means Mikey Garcia probably won't fight for the rest of this year. Come back early next year when Showtime's budget is flush, Fight someone in the lower top 10 at 140 for a few million dollars. Get back in the win column. Then maybe you could talk about a big pay-per-view event. Dwayne says, I'm late to the show, but we all know Kovalev will not get a decision against Canelo. Where does Canelo go next? 160, 168, 175. He's going right back down to 160. And regardless of what he says, Oscar De La Hoya wants the third fight with Golovkin next May. Canelo doesn't. But in the end, money talks. Unless he wants to fight Demetrius Andrade next, after, Canelo, um, after Kovalev, he's going to have to fight Golovkin. It's going to be Demetrius Andrade or Gennady Golovkin. So he would have, he'd take less money to fight Andrade just to spite Golovkin? I don't know. I, I, think it's, I still think it's going to be Golovkin. But you know what? I've been proven wrong before. It is what it is. Tommy Boseo says, Mikey Garcia versus Jose Ramirez would be a good fight. Hell yeah, it would, but it will never happen because Ramirez is with um, top rank. And Mikey Garcia, I don't think he's going to do business with top rank again. And Carlos Cabrera adds, Mikey and Jose are both trained by Robert Garcia. Won't happen. Yeah, so that fight ain't happening. Would be fun as hell, though. Fasil27 asks, will Showtime still be in business next year? Yeah, they'll still be in business next year. They'll be around. How long after? I don't know about that. Carlos Cabrera with the super chat. Thank you very, very much, Carlos. He asked, Mikey versus the Taylor Progray winner. Oh, I'd love to see that. Are you kidding me? I would love to see that. Problem is, Progray and Taylor fight on design. Well, Progray isn't necessarily contractually locked in anywhere. So, okay, if Taylor wins, I don't think Mikey Garcia will fight Taylor. Is, he, is Mikey Garcia going to travel to the UK and be the B-side? Because over there, he'd be the B-side. I don't think he's doing that. But if Regis Progray were to win, that's interesting because he's with Lou DiBella, who's under that PBC umbrella. Progray is not obligated to fight on any one particular network. So as far as I understand it, if he were to win the World Boxing Super Series, he could fight anywhere he wants. He could fight Jose Carlos Ramirez on ESPN, which would be an awesome fight. Or he maybe could fight Mikey Garcia. 
Does he want to jump to a Mikey Garcia? I don't know. I think that Ramirez would be the smarter play first. And I'd actually rather see that because it'd clean up all the titles. But after that, man, that'd be a good fight. I'd have to favor Mikey Garcia at this point because he's more experienced on the world stage. And I'd pick Mikey Garcia to beat Ramirez, Taylor, Progre, anybody, any of those guys right now because of the experience factor. Let's see how Progre looks against Taylor. Let's see, does that fight go 12 rounds? Does he have to bite down, come back from behind, really show growth? Maybe those 12 rounds of experience could prepare him for a Mikey Garcia. Then my opinion might change. But right now, had to favor Garcia because of the experience factor. Douglas Iglesias is asking, when will Usyk fight for the title at, at heavyweight? Well, I believe he's already a WBO mandatory. I believe he's already rated number one by the W, I think it's the WBO, that has the rule, if you have their title in one weight class and you move up and you request to be the mandatory in a new weight class, they will bump you up. It's part of what they do as respect to their champions. So he will be in line next year. You have a whole year to fulfill a mandatory. So at some point in 2020, should he want the fight, he will be in line for the winner between uh, Joshua and Ruiz, that rematch, which I still think is probably going to be Joshua. And Usyk has fought in the UK. Uh, he has experience there. So I think it's very possible that toward the end of next year, we see a fight with, between Anthony Joshua and Oleksandr Usyk. Absolutely think that is possible. Let's see. Gonzalo Torres says, Little G doesn't deserve that Canelo money. He needs to test himself and beat someone like Andre or Callum first. Gonzalo, that's just, I understand that's the talking point from you guys. From the, when I say you guys, I mean Canelo fans. But it's not necessarily an accurate one. Number one, Golovkin's about to fight Derevyanchenko, who is a top 10, I don't know if I'd say top 5 middleweight, but he's right around there. Uh, definitely a top 10 middleweight. Had a good close fight with Daniel Jacobs. So if he beats Derevyanchenko, he'll have wins over Jacobs, Derevyanchenko, and many people feel he beat Canelo at least once. So he'd also have a title again. He's a former unified titleist. He's done more than enough to prove. He also just inked, well, last year, inked a very lucrative contract with the zone. In fact, they spent just as much money on Golovkin as they have with some of the other superstar fighters they've signed. Actually, more. The only fighter, one fighter alone, that got more money than Golovkin was Canelo Alvarez and Anthony Joshua, those two guys. But uh, as far as just a, being a brand, Golovkin's a top five brand. You could argue he's the third biggest brand in the sport right now. He's actually done more than Callum Smith. Definitely done more than Demetrius Andrade. Demetrius Andre needs to fight anybody. He should be fighting a guy at Derevyanchenko's level, even Charlo, somebody to prove he's a top middleweight. He hasn't yet. His middleweight resume is shit. So that talking point that comes from you guys that you've been taught to say from certain media outlets that have an agenda, um, it's just not, it doesn't hold water, bro. It's not fair. Do I, do I get any money if, if Canelo and Golovkin fight a third time? No. It, it, it's no benefit to me, but as a person who wants to see the best fight the best, the top two middleweights in the world right now are Canelo and Golovkin. 
As someone who understands the business of the sport, the two biggest brands in the United States right now, the two biggest brands as far as fighters in North America, based in North America, it's Canelo and Golovkin. So at some point, I think it's pretty obvious they're going to fight again. It, next May makes a lot of sense. All right, guys, let's get in one, maybe one more question, and then we're going to drop out. We'll be going for about an hour here. Get in one more question, guys. One more good one. Hamed says, we have already seen Triple G Canelo twice, back-to-back -back September. Yes, yes, we have. We're not going to see it this September, though. So by next May, especially, look, if Canelo beats Kovalev and Golovkin beats Derevyanchenko, that's enough to get people talking about that fight again. All the titles will be on the line, except, I mean, most of the titles will be on the line. Uh, Canelo's the franchise champion. I think that um, next May, it'd make a, a good fight. All right, one more question here, guys. I see some good comments here that I agree with. I just want a good question here. All right, Hamed, we'll go with your question. If Kovalev wins, where does Triple G go? Great question. Do I think Triple G is going to move up to 175 and fight Kovalev? If Kovalev were to beat Canelo, no. But I will say this much. He'd be in the driver's seat for a third fight with Canelo. Canelo would be coming off a loss. So it's still very possible if Kovalev beats Canelo that we get Canelo Triple G3 next May. Golovkin would probably make that negotiation difficult because he'd want a bigger share of the purse because Canelo would be coming off a loss and he'd have some leverage there. But here's why I think it'll happen, regardless of what happens November 2nd between Canelo and Kovalev. The biggest fight at 160 for the biggest amount of money, actually the biggest fight in the sport right now for the biggest amount of money is still Canelo Golovkin 3, especially next May. If, again, especially if Canelo and Golovkin win their next fight. But right now, if you were to have a fight, the fight that generates the most money, that does the biggest gate in Las Vegas at T-Mobile or wherever you put it, is going to be Canelo Golovkin 3. It's still the biggest fight. You could have argued a while back that it'd be between Wilder and, uh, and Joshua, but Joshua lost his last fight. Wilder had a draw before the Brazil fight. He had a draw in his last big fight. So those guys aren't necessarily riding a, a big winning streak right now. So, um, you know, it, it, that, that blew up. That Wilder-Joshua thing blew up. And it will get repaired, and they'll do it eventually. But right now, it's kind of blown up. Um, I, there is a little bit of fatigue when it comes to Canelo and Golovkin. I understand that. But if they fight next May, that's a year and a half from their last fight. So I, I think it's still very possible. Yeah, I mean, several of you guys are saying that you're sick of Canelo Golovkin. Like, I, I, get, I, I get that. But if Golovkin looks really good against Derevyanchenko and we get a really, really good fight, that might drum up interest for Canelo. And look, if, if it doesn't happen, and instead we get Golovkin or Canelo against Andrade, or if Jarrett Hurd moves up, he is moving up, Jaime Munguia moves up, and some of those guys start fighting the top guys, I'm all for it. I'd love to see it. any of those fights. Billy Joe Saunders, I'd love to see any of those fights. But the biggest fight, money-wise, is still that one fight, and that's why I think we'll get it again. All right, Salem Mooney asks, 
Mike, with the couple years of back and forth between Hearn and Heyman, with them sharing fighters in fight cards, was the Hearn, AJ, Heyman, Wilder thing fake? I don't think it was fake. I think it was part of the sausage being made. Um, I don't know how else to word it. I mean, people love sausage. That sounds funny. But if you've ever seen sausage being made, it looks disgusting. It still tastes great, but if you've seen, it's like if you've seen, <laughs> you guys are laughing at the sausage. If you've seen the way meat is prepared, the way cattle are, are killed or chickens are killed or whatever it is, in the way meat is prepared, it's, it's difficult to look at. Some people look at that and they can never eat meat again. Some people like me can look at that while eating a hamburger and I don't feel a damn thing. I guess I'm dead inside. <laughs> I love meat. So, but you knowing the way that sausage is made, you know, it makes you think twice about how you cook your meat, prepare it, everything else. It's a horrible analogy. It's the best I could think of on the spot. These big fights and these big contracts play out over a series of years. It's part of the sausage being made. That's why I always tell you guys, don't get caught up in the back and forth and the drama with these promoters. And remember how many YouTube videos were made about, well, Hearn offered Wilder this. Oh, well, PBC offered uh, Joshua that. And it was, you know, this guy's ducking. That guy. None of them are ducking. It's all bullshit. Were they stalling? Were they trying to build it up? Were they avoiding each other? Yes. They were, and it blew up in their fucking face. And I think that's fantastic because people need to get bitch slapped when they do that. But do I think it was fake? No. They were, there's certain things they're saying off camera and certain things they're saying on camera to negotiate through social media. Just don't buy into that crap. It's part of the sausage being made. On that note, on sausage, we'll leave it here, guys. I'm losing my voice, man. Traveling whoops my ass. It takes me a good 24 hours to recoup. So um, I'm going to go to Hollywood off of Melrose, to Frankie's on Melrose, best gravy in, in Hollywood at least. There's a few good places here in L.A. I'm going to get some real, real calamari. Not that breaded, deep-fried bullshit, but fresh calamari. If you get real calamari, Sicilian calamari, it's like a soup. It's like a tomato-based soup with the squid in it. I'm going to go get some real calamari and some gravy and some wine with Tiff. Hollywood, a few miles that way. All right, guys, so uh, we'll see you Monday. And if there's anything that happens over the weekend, maybe I'll post a rant video or something, all right? I'll see you at the fights. Peace.